leadership because how many know God's called you to be a leader? People don't, you don't think you are, but if you're, you, how many know God's called you to be a disciple maker, a Christ follower, a, a new modern term for a disciple because people don't know what a disciple is, is a Christ follower. That is a person who has committed their life to following Jesus in how they think and how they portray themselves and how they speak and how they respond, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that being said, we're all also called to be leaders. Leadership is influence. Yes or no? So you are called to influence other people for Jesus. In that sense, you're a leader. We don't have the haughty attitude of leadership that sometimes the world portrays. Well, I'm in charge and you do what I say. No, we are servant leaders. How many get that there's a big difference? I talked about it last month. This month, here's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. Now we're going through 11 values that we have as Victory Church because I want to imbib to you our DNA your body, every cell has the, has the DNA molecules and they make up who you are and they give you your stature, your size and all the things that make you you and every cell is imprinted with your personal DNA. Well, you come into Victory Church, we want you to see our DNA. Is that okay? So, you know, here's the reality as a pastor. I always, I frequently think broadly about everything. Instead of thinking like this, I think like this and I think about all of us and what we're made up of and where we're from. We've got over 20 ethnicities um, that are represented at Victory Church, and that means there's a lot of people on a lot of different life pages. And that, that page means expectations, values, what they're looking to get out of a local church, what they think a pastor ought to be, what they think the people in the church ought to act like, and what the leadership in the church ought to be. It's all of that's on your page well, I want you to see the page that we're on. And what if we all get on the same page? I mean, Genesis 11, you know, God told the people that were making a tower, an astrological tower that was actually the origin of heathen religions and the Tower of Babel is what we call it. God said, these people are one. They have one goal and vision. They say the same thing. Now, nothing that they have imagined will be kept from them. They'll be able to do anything because they're one. Now, if that's true about heathen people that didn't know the Lord worshiping the astrological signs and worshiping false gods, is it not more true for us? Of course, yes. Yes, so yes. How many think all things are possible? Say it, all things are possible. Is it possible for make us to make a great dent in our community for Jesus, yes or no? Is it possible for us to bring people to Jesus from our community? Is it possible for our church to grow not because of transfers from other churches, but from people who have never darkened the door of a church? I got a, what about the rest? So, so I want you to help me do that. See, that's in our DNA. So anyway, uh, we got 11 things we're going to talk about. We had the introduction last time. Tonight, value number one, everybody say the life-giving nature of the church. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I got all these notes, y'all. In Jesus' name, how many believe I could get good? Oh, come on, Father. See, I had an angel right there. Look at there. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to put, um, so let me, uh, let me ask you a question. I'm going to write this down. I don't know if you can read. I got to write big. That's what I figured out. Are you a, man, this is weird. Are you a life-giving person? Or are you a life-taking person? 
Do you receive or do you give? The people that are around you that know you, when they think of you, do they think, man, that person sucks the life out of me? Or, or, you've ever had a leech? Yes or no? Every time you get around that person, man, I better be full of something right now because they're going to suck it all out today. You've been around that kind of person? So are you that or are you the kind of person that's, man, I got so much, I got enough to give somebody else. My cup is overflowing. Huh? It ought to be that way. So ask yourself, am I a life-giving person or am I constantly looking to get? See, I started my life as a, as a person that was constantly taken because I didn't have anything on the inside. And y'all, that's where our culture is right now. Our culture is such a needy culture in America today. I was such a needy person, just the way I was raised, what I thought about myself, the circumstances of life. You know, you get what you believe about yourself from your family and then from the circumstances that you find yourself in. Your mind assumes things. You make assumptions about life. How many know what I'm talking about? By age six, your personality is intact. And what you think about yourself, the world, around you, yourself as being a woman, yourself as being a man, yourself one day as being a, a father, a husband, a mother, a wife, you know, what you think about being a human, what you think about being an American citizen or a non-American citizen, whatever you think about you, I mean, it's in there. And, and that, that has a lot to do with how you act and react. And when we come to God, all of that can change, but it may not unless you do something about it. Yes or no? Absolutely true. So, so, so what we want to do is help you change your value of you to, uh, when you come to Victory Church. And I've often said, you know, if you give us two years, just give it two years. If you come to the services, get involved in our small groups, get involved in the things that we do and help us do what we do. Get involved in volunteering so your eyes just aren't on yourself. How many know if you've got a problem, the greatest way to get over it is get your eyes off of it and get your eyes on somebody else. As long as you have your focus on you, you know, you're just trying to pick the lint out of your own belly button and you get bored doing that and it's terrible. So uh, anyway, you know, keep your eyes on somebody else. I know it's weird. Now anyway, so we want to help you change your life values. How many hear what I'm saying? So, so when I was young, I can just tell you because I had nothing inside, I put a lot of value on what I did and on the accomplishments I made so that when I became an adult, I became a workaholic and I couldn't be still, I couldn't be quiet, I had to be busy. And you know what I found out? There are a lot of workaholics in the church. They say, I love Jesus, um, I know who I am in Christ, but they don't feel good unless they're overly busy with so many things, they don't have time for themselves their family, their children, their spouse, etc. How many hear what I'm talking about? So my heart goal for all of us, if we get full of who we are in Jesus, you know, you won't need to work yourself silly, but you can be busy for Jesus. You can help us volunteer in a balanced way. How many think that would be good? Well, again, we want you to change your value system from the values that keep you from being a giving person. Instead, it may, causes you to be a taking person. And we want, we want to help you change values that are harmful, you know, values based on family background. I had to deal with those things. Your own abilities. Sometimes we get our values from our job. Sometimes we get our values from our ethnicity. 
Sometimes we get our values by others accepting us. And our culture's having big problems with all of this right now. How many hear what I'm saying? My value is not being a, being a Caucasian. My value is not being an American. My value is being a Jesus follower. My value is in being a child of God. And when you have that kind of value, it transcends every other thing in life. And it makes us one in Christ Jesus. How many hear what I'm saying? So God wants to help us get rid of our personal biases that keep us bound to our past so we can see who we really are. When I came to the Lord when I was 17, almost 18 years old, and you've heard me say this, I really did think uh, that I was the apple with the worm in the core. You ever been an apple, particularly the organic apples? You know, whoa, and it's nasty on the inside. This lit, I found worms in them before. It's like, oh my good. Well, I had the worm in me. It's, you know, looks like I'm okay, but I'm deficient. There's something wrong with me. And when I came to Jesus, that's the way it was. And I was the, you know, I was the person sucking life out of everybody else because I didn't understand how to hook up with the life that God had placed inside of me. Again, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. A lot of people today, they don't value who they are. And so they have a hard time valuing other people. How many hear me? What you think about you, you project on others. If you don't like you, you won't like others. If you criticize you, how many know you'll criticize others? Huh? So at, at, at Victory Church, we want to be life-giving. Everybody say life-giving. So are you a life-giving person? God wants us to change our values for being a person that receives their values as to who they are from outward things they do, outward things they wear, outward things they're around. He wants us to become a person that gets our value of ourselves from who we are inside. And how many know if you value who you are inside and who Jesus is in you, you can overcome every obstacle, every circumstance. It may take some time, but how many know you can change? And so if you've got certain things and everybody's got idiosyncrasies uh, in their life that are peculiar to them, I've got things in my life that for years I've wanted to change and I've been working on me for 43 years now and God's not through. How many know we're in process? But when you get a hold of the fact that, that the God placed something of value inside of you, He put Himself in you. It puts, it puts you in a position to know that anything in your life can change. Any attitude, any behavior, any response pattern can change if you'll just allow Jesus to work on it. How many think that's good? I feel like preaching tonight. So, 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 so I like this. How about this idea? See if I can do it without stumbling. Living from, watch this, fullness. How does that sound? How would you like to live from fullness? Do you know what I'm talking about? Living from full. You're full inside. And like I said earlier, you're just spilling off into other people. Where'd I get that? How about John 1, 16 and 17? Y'all got this? Everybody here? John 1, 16 through 17. I'm gonna get me a big old board. I like to write when I talk, so here we are. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. And of his what? And of his fullness, what? Of his what? Say it again. Half of you ain't even talking. Of his what? Of his fullness we Will? Does that mean you already have it? 
of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. And then he goes further, verse 17, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So instead of living a law-filled life, when you learn to live in grace, when you live to learn to live from the inside out, you're not, you're not based on, your life is not based on outward standards, outward things that you do to be right with God. And if your life is not based on that, then you're not basing your, what you think about others on what they're thinking, what they're saying, what they're doing. Your value of them is based on God's estimation of them. They're created in the image of God. Therefore, I love them. I might not like what they do, but I love them. God may not be like everything I'm doing, but he loves me. That means he's committed to me, yes or no? Living out of fullness, living from fullness. Listen to this, Colossians 2, 7. Y'all hear? None of this is in your notes. You gotta write it down. I'll get to the notes in a minute. We'll go through it quick. Colossians 2, 7, let your roots grow down into him. I love that. And let your lives be built on him. Who is him? Jesus. And then he says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will what? Say it. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Overflow with thankfulness. When you've got something on the inside that you're hooked up with, it creates overflow. Huh? So we're talking about living from fullness. Colossians 2, 9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every rule and authority. For in Christ lives all the what? There's that word fullness again. When I align myself with Jesus, when I align my mind with Jesus, when I align my emotions with Jesus, when I align my will with Jesus, it's no longer I that live, but Jesus lives in me, then it doesn't matter what I think about me. It doesn't matter what you think about me. If I stumble, fall, make a mistake, mess up and fail, you know, a righteous man or woman falls seven times and rises up again. Why? Because I'm living not in myself, I'm living in fullness. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm living in the life of God. How many think that's pretty cool? So, you know, when you live that way, you begin to be a giving person, not a taking person. Life is no longer about rules, it's about a relationship with Jesus. How many hear what I'm saying? When you're alive on the inside, you feel good about you. You know that you're forgiven. You know that you're cleansed. You know that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Old things have become new. And you're not living under the shadow of what you did, what you were. I've met a lot of believers since I've known the Lord who's still living under the shadow. I was the abused person. I was the neglected person. I was the forsaken person. I am the divorced person. I am the person that nobody else liked. That is a lie from hell. Why align with what is not truth? Jesus said grace and truth came from Jesus Christ and what he thinks about me matters. It matters more than what I think about me. Y'all, you just don't know the struggles I've personally been through. I, had, I didn't even know the term rejection. I didn't even know what it mean, meant when I came to Jesus, but I found out that I was constantly saying and doing things, even when I got into ministry, just wanting somebody to say, boy. I said, good boy, you're doing a good job. 
because I didn't feel right about me because that had been my mindset all of my young years and it, it transferred into my adult life. Not everybody has that problem. Some people are on the other end of the spectrum and you're so proud about you, you think everybody else ought to think that you hung the moon in the sky and you need a good dose of humility. How many hear what I'm saying? So I don't know what end of the spectrum you're living on, but what balances us out is Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and he'll give you the truth about you. If you're haughty, he'll make you humble. If you feel bad about yourself, he'll show you who you are and he'll lift you up. I got some kind of preach going on tonight and I don't, you know, it feels good. So let's just keep moving with it. What do you say? So the life-giving nature of the church is a really, really, really big deal to me. Now go to your sheet here. Did y'all get something out of that? So go to your sheet here. So in this class or this lesson, I should say, let's just look at some facts or three major facts that I want to investigate because, you know, our world is rapidly changing. America, y'all, we are in trouble as a culture. And we're in trouble. I'm reading um, actually two history books right now. And, and uh, the things that made us great is the fact that, by and large, our culture in the past, hundreds of years ago, were based on an ethic that came from the values that God has for people. Huh? We've left that. And if you don't understand who God says you are, if you don't understand you're created in the image of God, created to have a relationship with God. And then if we don't know that our problems come because we don't have a relationship with God, then the problems just exacerbate. They get stronger and bigger and larger. And that's where our culture is right now. You're watching the, the slow failure of the American culture. How many hear me? And see, we're here to give life. We're light in the darkness. We're salt and we're to make a difference. How many hear me? So let's look at this really quick. So let's look at this first thing. So uh, uh, y'all get some out of this yet? I'll let you read all the verbiage on the sheet. I just have to let this go and let it, I have to go with the flow. Is that okay? So in this class, you're gonna be an, uh, asked to understand these facts. Number one, when the devil deceived Eve and tricked her into disobeying God, when Adam joined her, they both became fill in the blank spiritually dead to God and the eternal life-giving nature of God no longer flowed through their beings. Could it be that before Adam and Eve sinned, could it be that they had a relationship, fellowship with God? He came in the evening, fellowship with them. They named all of the botanical names for the trees and shrubs and greenery. They also gave names to all the animals, perhaps even the insects and all that, and there's hundreds of thousands. They had, Adam, some, I've read after scholars who, had, who said Adam had an amazing mind because he was, he was uh, acquainted with the life of God. But when Adam and Eve sinned, that life was shut off. The flow from heaven stopped on the inside, and instead of being full, they were empty, and they had nothing on the inside to give. So they're spiritually dead. Number two, because Adam had dominion over the earth, his spiritually dead nature permeated the Garden of Eden and brought a curse that produced sorrow, disease, strife, Death in the world, the curse produced a death nature in mankind. How many know that's where we're living today? That's the problems all around us is because of this nature of spiritual death. Number three, before people accept Christ, they're children of Adam, and as such are under the same curse, unable on their own to have the right to the eternal life 
and to the eternal nature of God. Number four, the story of the temptation and fall of man in Genesis 3 illustrates the same pattern that Satan uses on people today to get them to disobey God and do their own thing. Everybody's in the same, that, that's the problems with the human race. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand what the cure is. How many, how many get that? And you know what the sad thing is today? The theology of the sinfulness of the human race is not taught in a large way. How many hear me? And people really don't understand the origin of their problems. Number two, the following are four major results of the fall of Adam and Eve, which no longer affect a Christ follower's life. How many are glad? Because he or she is now born again. Number one here, everyone stands uh, guilty of sin before a holy God as a result of being in Adam. And there's the scripture, Romans 5, 19, for justice through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. Romans 6, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many know that all of us are sinners? We're born in sin, and that's the problem with the human race as we know it. And the truth is, a lot of people in our culture no longer understand that sin is our problem. Jesus said this, Matthew 15, 18, he said, from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you. It comes from the inside. The sin nature is inbred in a human being. You've had children. You've got grandchildren. I love all my children to pieces and deeply love my grandchildren. But I know full well they have a sin nature that if it's not checked, it's going to develop and grow and they'll become a self-centered person that could hurt other people. Yes or no? And that's the reason we have to discipline our children, love them enough to show them right and wrong, love them enough to put standards and curbs in their life. How many hear me? If you just, there's a lot of, a lot of weird thinking today about how to raise children. I can't get off on the tangent, but a lot of the idea is just let them be, let them do what they want to do. I believe you should let your child's personality develop, but you better put some box around that personality or they're going to mess up your life, your family, and people around them one day. How many hear me? Anyway, that's another subject for another day. Number B, uh, the fall resulted in spiritual death. Fill in the blank. Uh, therefore, just as sin entered uh, the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men because all sin. So spiritual death came as a result of Adam's sin. Every human being participates in spiritual death. There's not a human uh, of all the over 7 billion people on earth that has not participated in this thing, spiritual death. It's a part of us. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. And the only thing that can erase that spiritual death and bring us spiritual life is the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad? Number C, the fall of man, uh, the fall caused man to hide from God. And that's Genesis 3, 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So hiding, we hide from God. And you know, I've met so many believers and you may be challenged to really expose yourself to the Lord. If you don't really know that God deeply, deeply loves you and cares about everything about you, you'll be reticent to really go and say, God, I got to deal with this. I got a problem. He already knows you. He knows everything about you. And you know, I have found great freedom in the presence of God, just pouring my heart out, saying, Lord, I've got this problem. I've got this temptation. I've got this 
I've got this wayward part. I think it's part of my family nature. I respond this way. I, I want to talk this way. I want to think this way, et cetera, et cetera. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm going to change that. So we hide instead of, of reveal. When you reveal yourself to the Lord, how many know it sets you up to change? Absolutely true. We also hide from each other. Most, most people live a facade-ish life. They live behind a wall. Oh, they have certain ways of acting, things they say, even in church life. Let's get real. People live behind a mask. They live behind a wall. They're, they're afraid to reveal their true selves to people because they think church people ought to think you're, they think other church people think, well, you're not, you know how you need, you need to be living right. And so they don't want to expose their problems to anybody because then they're flawed. How many know that's hiding? Adam and Eve hid. They hid from God but they hid from each other. And let me just say this, the freer you get in Jesus, the, the more willing you are to expose yourself. Is that true? In, in the right way. Don't misunderstand me. Got to say everything right today. It's just a nuts day. You get what I'm saying, right? The, the, the more willing you are to expose your heart to people and your flaws to people. I don't mind telling, I mean, I make mistakes constantly. I don't mind. In fact, Tony Cook, uh, we were at the meeting in uh, Gatlinburg last week, and, and he said, well, he said it in front of our staff team, said, because I said, well, I've got this problem, and I have this weakness, blah, 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 and then he said to me, he said, you always say that? I didn't even know what to say, but, but, you know, I don't mind telling people that's my flaw. I got to deal with that. I got to deal with that, and the closer you get to the Lord, and the freer you are with him to expose yourself to him, the freer you are with other people, because you're secure in who you are. You don't have anything to prove. I mean, no, life is not about proving things. Life is about living out of fullness, right? D, man without Christ lives in darkness, without hope under the power of the devil. And that is a challenge. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. There it is, 1 John 5, 19. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ without hope and without God in the world. How many know we need to be praying for the people around us? You know, you get aggravated now with the people that drive nuts on 440 and 40, and you get aggravated with people at the office that are, you know, invading your space and saying things they shouldn't say, and they're, and they're doing things they shouldn't do with their job, and you know they're not being truthful and all that, and you get aggravated with them. How many know if they don't, they're not saved, they're under the power of the devil? And you got members of your family when you have your get-togethers. They're under the power of the devil. And you know what? Anybody that doesn't name the name of Jesus, they're under the power of Satan's control. And that's the reason we need to pray for them. Not judge them, pray for them and love them because we used to be the same, true? And so that's how we can have compassion. Number three, all of this no longer applies to Christ's followers. They believe, we believe that Jesus is the payment, fill in the blank, for their sin that he came to pay the price that brought them, that is us, back to God. Number B, they have, that is, we have confessed with our mouth and have believed in our heart that God raised his son from the dead. That makes us righteous. Everybody say righteous. I love that term, righteous. Righteousness is the ability to stand before God just as though sin, condemnation, and inferiority had never been in your life. The first time I heard that, I was full of condemnation, inferiority, and if you have a personality like mine, I want every I dotted 
every T crossed, everything in its place, everything done just right. If you have that kind of personality, then you put high standards on yourself. And then when you don't fit the standard or you don't make the standard, you're upset with yourself. So you tend to be upset with yourself all the time. Am I talking about anybody besides moi? Me? Well, that used to be me, but when I, when I found out I'm in Christ and he's made me a new creature, I was a fallen human being that's been redeemed by his blood. None of that matters. If I'm flawed, I'm flawed. But you know what? The grace of God can take up the slack. And you start thinking, and then when you think you're righteous, I remember when I started saying that it felt funny because I, I always heard in church that, you know, my righteousness is as filthy rags. And that is what he's talking about in Isaiah there is the things that I do to make myself acceptable before God. They're, they're dirty. They don't work. They don't make me right with God. The only thing that makes me right with God is Jesus and his blood. It's not my Bible reading. It's not my praise and worship. It's not, you know, it's not my prayer life. It's not my church attendance. It's not my good works. It's not doing, it's not anything I do. It's what he did. And when you can finally accept that and rest in the grace of God, that creates fullness. How many hear me? So that in your lousiest day, in your worst time, your biggest failure, you can lift up your head and say, Father, thank you for your grace that forgives and cleanses me. I've been made righteous because of Jesus. And righteousness gives you an ability to stand before God just as though you had never done wrong is that awesome the number see i could preach about all this for a long period of time y'all give me another five minutes i'll be done but um you know the the the, the biggest demotivator psychologists say of human personality is guilt huh and that's the reason secular psychologists they don't want to have anything to do with religion because religion itself produces guilt because with religion comes a set of laws, rules, regulations, do's, don'ts. So their idea is get rid of the do's and don'ts. There is nothing wrong. And then that makes you normal. No, it makes you worse. Because you'll give in to all of the drives that come from the wicked human heart. How many hear what I'm saying? Y'all, this stuff is amazing. When you know Jesus and know you're righteous, it changes everything about you. I've got a series I'll do again sometime on righteousness. I've done it in the past. So let's go to see a born-again child of God. Any, as a born-again child of God, anyone can start living their life as a new creation. Everybody say new creation. If they believe they have God's life-giving nature alive inside of them and he has given them power to allow this life to flow to others. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the bold print, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has Come. Now, years ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things become new. That all things become new. He is, actually, the Greek literally says it, and he's got it here uh, on the note. There is a new species. The idea is there's a new species of being, a person that never existed before. Y'all, that helped me as much as anything in my formative years as a believer because I always thought I was the apple with the worm in the core and that I was defective and that there was something wrong with me. But when I found out, when I came to Jesus, God put his very life and nature inside of me and removed the devilish nature that wanted to do everything wrong. It's, it left me inside. 
How many know that's good? That means I'm a new species. You say, well, pastor, then, 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 then what if I still want to do things wrong? Well, there's next thing here, number two. Understand that once you're born again, you do not have a sinful nature, but a sinful enemy that wants to tempt you from the outside. So here's the big thing that we all understand being believers, the nature of sin has been removed when you come to Jesus. If there's something deep inside you that wants to lie, wants to cheat, wants to commit sexual immorality, I mean, you want to do that and it's a drive deep inside, then you're not saved. At the same time, once you're saved, that drive to do wrong, the drive to lie, the drive to cheat, the drive to you know, do things that you know are wrong, that your conscience tells you are wrong. It leaves the inside, but the difference, here's the difference. When I become a new creature in Christ, that drive is removed from my spirit, and I have a desire to do right. I delight to do your will, O God. The psalmist said, yes, your law is within my heart. God said uh, to the Old Testament saints, my laws I will put into your heart. I'll take out of you the whole stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Is that good? So the big problem we have now is not a heart problem, it's a mind problem. It's an emotion problem. It's a body problem. And after I came to the Lord, my body still wanted to lust, my body still wanted to be angry. My emotions wanted to be angry. I wanted to be self-centered. You know, I wanted to be lazy or whatever I was, I was before I was Jesus. Some of that stuff was still there and I had the taunting voice of the enemy come into my head. If you're really saved, then why are you feeling that? And I, at first I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, you're not really saved. Look at you wanting to lust. What you doing? I said, I don't know. And then when I found out, all that left me in Christ. It's residue left over from that, from that dead human spirit that I had. It left its residue in my flesh. It left its residue in my mind. It left its residue in my emotions. It left its residue in my will. But deep inside, if I got real quiet, the real me didn't want to lie, didn't want to cheat, didn't want to steal, didn't want to be immoral. The real me wanted to live right wanted to be right, wanted to do right. And that's how you are. It may be masked, the real you may be masked by the flesh because you've not yet allowed that person on the inside to come to fullness. But when we allow him to come to fullness, when you allow the life and nature of God inside to come to fullness, it changes everything. How many hear what I'm saying? So understand number three, rejoice, you rejoice in a new destiny. How many know heaven is your home? Number four, accept a new family. How many know sometimes you're closer to your spiritual family than your natural family? Is that true? I've heard a lot of people tell me that over the years. And I love my natural family, of course. You know, I'm talking my personal family, my, my children, my grandchildren, Susan and all that. I, of course, I'm close to them, but my extended family, a lot of the times I'm a lot closer to you than them because I see you all the time. I don't see them all the time. And then we have a relationship. We've got a, I have a blood relationship with extended family, but I've got a spiritual bond with my spiritual family. Isn't that good? Uh, number five, receiving a life-giving inheritance of. And this is the last part, and I, I'm gonna end with this. Wisdom, clear conscience, divine healing, victory over the enemy, victory over circumstances, victory over the flesh, the spirit of life, God's provision for your needs, the fruit of the spirit, success, answers to prayer, fellowship with God and with each other. I mean, look at all that you got, y'all. Isn't it amazing? Hallelujah. 
So I want to end with this. Are you living in fullness? Or are you living from the inside? Or are you living from the outside? And and y'all, the only way that I have found, and I've been with Jesus, this is my 43rd year, the only way you live from fullness is you have to feed it. So I mean, every day, y'all, I got up this morning, I had a great time with God. I was in the Word. You know, I read the Word. I read books. I prayed. And when you do that, you're filling your tank. And when your tank gets full, then it overflows into other people. How many hear what I'm saying? And and ministry is no longer work. Ministry is just overflow. You're just overflowing. And so you're going through your day and you got the joy of the Lord and you got the challenges on your job and you've got the challenges in your family and you got aggravating people. But if you've got something on the inside that is bigger than everything else on the outside, then you're living in the overflow and you're living in life. How many know we have life inside? I haven't even had time to develop that thought. I'll do a series on it again. We have the very life of God inside. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. That Greek word for life, you go do a study on life. It's really interesting. Y'all going up because I won't quit talking. It's just the way it is. Too much here. The Greek word for life is zoe. We get our word zoo, zoology. Zoe is is life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it. The life and nature of God. When I'm born again, I just don't have forgiveness of sin. God deposited by the Holy Spirit his life inside of me. His life inside of you. And you know what? You need to talk about it every day. How many here?